it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. Now, why I originally loved this verse was because I was an athlete and I was a coach, and it just translates so well. You have a workout, you have a mountain to climb, you have a test to take. It's just perfect, right? Discipline. You have to discipline yourself in your workout so you can be trained for the prize, the prize of the mountaintop, the prize of of the trophy. But that's not what the the word is teaching us there. If you you look at the proper context, what is it talking about? It's actually talking about being trained up in the Lord. Being trained up in the Lord, that will build the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that's what we're looking at. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin that clings closely, let us run the race with endurance. Let us set it uh, that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and the seat at the right, uh, despising the shame, this shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was that perfect example of the peaceable fruit and that right standing, right? He made it to the right hand of God. Um, Chapter 11 of Hebrews. We're not in Hebrews, by the way, if you weren't. Um, Chapter 11 of Hebrews, the writer, writer, um, it's often called the hall of faith, right? These men and women obeyed. They were faithful, and they relied on God. God spoke to them, guided them, and disciplined them to build their faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was, where he was to receive his inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith, he lived in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the same promise. Sarah also received the power to conceive because she was faithful. Um, I start off with that because, because God is chastening. God is teaching. God is guiding. God is, is asking us to be faithful. All right? And as we start looking at this plan... God is asking us to be faithful. He's asking us to buy in. He's asking us to to show up. This discipline is not easy. It takes time. It takes sleep. It takes family time away. But it's a discipline, and I guarantee you it it is worth it. God's chastening his sons to be trained up in the word so that it may produce a peaceable fruit of righteousness. All right, now to the verses. Um, Genesis 24, 52 to Genesis 36, and then Matthew uh, 18, or 8 through 18 to 12, 26. I'm going to run through a bunch of them. I have three themes for you guys, and I'm going to run through a bunch of things that just, um, the Lord just Lord spoke to me um, early on. So I was doing the one-year plan with, the, with my girls, I have two and a half year old girls, and um, 
man, they, they're, they're sponges. And so things were just hitting. And as I'm reading this as a child, right, just thinking, man, okay. Um, before I tell you those, years ago, uh, I was challenged, and I think, I believe it was in high school, that as I heard a, a sermon or as I um, read the word, that I would ask the question, so what? Like, what, what do you have for me, Lord? Why are you teaching me this? What are you telling me here? So what? Why is this applicable, right? So in the back of your head, you can kind of think of, of the so what. It'll come up a couple times here. Um, so the three things. One, uh, God speaks. Two, God listens. And three, God touches. The first theme that I've been hit over and over with in the early chapters of Genesis and also in Matthew is God speaks. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let there be light. Then God said, let there be separation between land and water. Then God said, let us make creatures to run across the earth, birds of the air, fish in the sea, right? Let us make man in our own image. It's about 10 times where he says, then God said, God said, just in those first few, right? So the question there was, God speaking there, where else is he speaking? Where else should I be hearing? God speaks to Adam and Eve. I have in my notes Moses and Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he speaks to you and he speaks to me. Genesis 26, 2 through 5. And the Lord appeared to him, Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Do not dwell in the, uh, dwell in the land that I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. I will bless you. For you and your offspring will give, I will give all these lands. I will establish an oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring in the heavens and in your and in your offspring all nations of earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice kept my charge commandments statutes and law Genesis 26:24 then the lord appeared to him at night and said i am the god of abraham your father fear not for i am with you i will bless you i will multiply your offspring for my servant abraham's sake Genesis 28, 12 through 15. Then he dreamed, this is uh, Jacob. Behold, there was a ladder set on the earth, and the top reached to heaven. Behold, the angels were ascending and descending, and behold, the Lord stood above it, said, I am God. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Jumping forward a little bit. But I, behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. One more in Genesis. This is God, just, just God speaking over and over and over. I could have wrote more. Genesis 31.3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers, 
and your kindred, and I will be with you. Now we'll jump to Matthew. Matthew 8.13. And the centurion said to Jesus, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. 8.16. That evening they brought him many who were oppressed by demons and cast out spirits with a word and healed them. 8.26. And then he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. Obviously, when he's talking to the disciples there, right? Matthew 9.2. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9.9. Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he arose. So what? God created with his words, and he commanded, and he had communion with his people. God guided them, but so did Jesus. Jesus had communion with his disciples, he had the power to heal with his hands. Or he had the power to heal with his words, sorry. Do you see the connection here? God and Jesus are one. Jesus had the same authority that the Father does. Kind of a fun parallel as I was sitting there uh, reading again with, with my daughter, just thinking about it, and like, man, like, old and new. Old and new, you just see it over and over and over, God speaks. Lance said this weekend, something to the effect of this, this isn't a direct quote, but God knew that man would not go looking for, for God on his own. God knew that he needed to reveal himself to us through his creation, through angels, through dreams, through direct communication, through his son Jesus, and today through the Holy Spirit. So what? Why is that significant? It's significant because God desires a relationship with you. He desires to know you. He desires to know me. He desires he desired to know Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He desired to know his creation. God listens. Genesis 25:21 Then Isaac prayed for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted that prayer. Rebekah conceived. Genesis 30, 22, then God remembered Rachel. God listened to her and opened her womb. Matthew 8, 25, and they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Matthew 829 and behold they cried out what have you do, what have you to do with us well before i start this one this one's a little this one's a little off from the few that i've given all right just so i can give you a little of that and behold they cried out what have you to do with us o son of god have you come here to torment us before the time have you heard uh, now a herd of many pigs were feeding at some distance and the demons begged to him saying Cast us out 
send us away in the herd of pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out, went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down a steep bank and into the water. Now I have to call out the distinction there between listening and obeying. That's why I have that piece in there. And as I was reading through it, that, that scripture was just so big because in the first few, we hear the listening. We hear the listening and the obeying. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the disciples, they listened and obeyed God. Even though there were many times when they strayed over and over and over again, like myself included, right? Over and over and again in my straying. They obeyed out of love and reverence for the Lord. And this, is, this was a discipline they practiced and that I, we, should be practicing today, right? Listening, obeying. Now the demons, they knew the authority that Jesus had. They listened and obeyed, but they only obeyed because Jesus had authority over them, not because of the reverence and love they had for him. God hears our prayers and he does not require obedience. It's a choice. Listening and obeying are verbs. We can listen and not obey. This is a, this is a, a new game for, for me in the household. My girls will listen and not always obey. Right? You parents out there, you guys know. They heard it. But will they obey? We are called to listen and obey. Jesus came down as the perfect example. He came down, listened, and obeyed to the point of death on the cross. God's touch. The first time that I saw God's touch was when he made Eve. He reached out and touched Adam and took a rib from, from, from him to form woman. So what? Why is that significant? Um, a little plug for, for a godly marriage here. right? Genesis 2, 18. Then God said, it's not good for man that he should be alone. I will make him a, a helper fit for him. This was God's first touch in man's life to help him seek the Lord. When we're married, it's not to make us happy, it's to help point us to holiness. Our helpmate is there to help guide us to the Lord and it's the touch from God that we have in this relationship. With that being said, um, I waited a long time for a wife um, there were many prayers. There were many people praying for me. Um, I got married in, in my 30s. And um, so you men that are, are not married, I know your struggle. I understand it. But I also want to tell you, God loves you. He's there for you. And he does have touches even if you are not married or you don't end up getting married. Right? 
So be faithful. Uh, now the next few verses, some exciting stuff. Um, we serve a God who is alive. God sent his son to live a perfect life, to die, to raise again for the atonement of our sins, to cover every wrong that we have and will commit. In these next few verses, we see the Son of God acting with all authority, just as God did when he reached out and made Eve. We see the touch of Jesus. Matthew 8, 3, Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touching him, saying, I will be clean, and immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Matthew 8, 14 and 15, And Jesus entered Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left. And she rose and began to serve him. I think that verse is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, shouldn't our, our response when, um, when Jesus reaches out and touches us be to rise immediately and serve him? She got it right. Matthew 9, 20, and 22. And behold, a woman was, who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned to her, seeing her, and said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well, and instantly the woman was made well. Matthew 9, 23 and 25. And Jesus came to the ruler's house, saw the flute and the crowd making commotion. He said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. They laughed at him, but the crowd, but when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her hand, and the girl rose. Again, God knew that man would not go looking for God on his own, so he chose to reveal himself to man through creation, through the spoken word. God also used physical touch to reveal himself to his creation at the beginning, and while he, Jesus, was on earth. The story of... Um, of Jacob is a wild one. I know I ran through some, some verses very quickly. I could have just sat on uh, one or two verses and, and gone through the whole uh, study there. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're into some drama, if you're into some lying and cheating and stealing, if you're into deception and quarrels, wrestling, right? You got it. You got it. Um, now Jacob also dealt with, uh, with not trusting the Lord's promise, even though God spoke to him many, many times. Jacob was the classic uh, listen and obey, sort of. In Genesis 20, uh, 32, 22 through 32, we see that uh, play out as Jacob wrestles with God. God spoke to Jacob, he listened to Jacob, then he touched Jacob. We can't conquer much of anything unless God conquers us first. After this wrestling match, Jacob realized the need 
that he needed to be conquered by the Lord and asked and pleaded for the Lord's blessing. Reading some commentary, just just interesting tidbits, right? Um, Genesis 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone. Jacob had to be left alone for the Lord to get him, right? Men, do we need to get away with the Lord a little bit? Do we need to sit and be with the Lord so he can reach out and touch us? Do we need to hear from the Lord while we're alone? I think it's a good hint. Another couple pieces. Um, in 26 it says, Then he said, this is, this is God, he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. Jacob was, um, was a stubborn little bugger. He wasn't going to stop. He just kept going and going and going. So what does this little piece tell us? One, God says, let's go. Hey, it's time. God had authority. God was going to tell him, hey, now it's time to stop. Right? Jacob said, I will not let go unless you bless me. Jacob knew at that point that he couldn't conquer much of anything without Jesus. He couldn't do it on his own. He needed God. He needed his touch. Israel is a, is a compound word, Sarah and El. Sarah meaning like fight, struggle, to rule. And El meaning God with God. And so um, Israel, God rules. Who ruled in that wrestling match? God ruled. And I think that that's a, an interesting piece on the touch. Jacob is, Jacob is fighting and fighting and rolling and rolling. And what a, what a scene that must have been. Like that should be a movie, right? We have that whole, the whole night we could, it could be you know, a restaurant, everything's thrown everywhere, the, the chairs are gone. Right? But just God with that touch, I want you to know who's in control. God rules. And then he gets his name, Israel. The other interesting piece in that is um, I can't go past. I can't go past uh, verse 30, or, uh, chapter 36, right? Because you guys can go there next week. But um, Jacob is still called Jacob. Coming up, he's not only called Israel from here on. Meaning what? The dude still struggles. The dude still has has tough times. He needs to be reminded that he is Israel. We need to be reminded that we are children of God. Right. The other funny part that I think in there is 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 Jacob. Uh, he had a limp. He had a limp to remember, just to remember by. But even as he's, as he's walking up to his brother, he's fearful. He reverts back. Doesn't that limp tell you and remind you, Jacob, that God is with you? That he's promised? Don't forget that. Don't forget that. That was a discipline in his life that, hey, whew, 
remember. Jacob, um, Jacob in that wouldn't have, if he, if he continued, if he remembered God in that, he wouldn't have had some troubles come with his family, with his daughter Dinah. He wouldn't have had it because he wouldn't have traveled to a pagan nation and stayed in a pagan nation and built a home, erected a building for him to stay. He was to be a sojourner. He was to live in tents and sojourn throughout, right? But he took the knowledge and the, the, Lord, this is what you have for me, and he put it away. Let us remember, let us remember, when we do have a limp, when we do have that limp, to listen and obey. So what? Why is this significant? Why is it important for us to know that God communicates with us? He desires physical touches in our lives. It's significant because these communications and touches says that that God desires a relationship with us. He desires the broken relationship with Him to be mended. He desires to live with us forever. In order for him to fulfill these desires, he must be who he says he is. He must be alive. He must have found a way to us, for us to be in contact with him. He must have found a way to mend the broken So the significance of Jesus coming and showing authority with spoken word was necessary. It was necessary that the physical touch of Jesus heals and mends. It was necessary that Jesus came and did and showed that he was the Son of God. Without the physical touch, without the physical death, burial, and resurrection, we would be serving We would not be serving a God who is alive and coming again. And guess what? Jesus also gave us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who speaks, listens, and touches our lives today. God has made an incredible effort to reach out to his children. Men, are you disciplined enough to respond and seek the Lord. That's the so what. We pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that um, we get to come in a room and open your word, talk about um, your desire to be with us, your desire to speak to us your desire for us to communicate with you, your desire to touch our lives, to guide our lives, to to be our all in all. Lord, as um, we sit around some tables and we talk, Lord, may, um, may you be great, may you be known, may these men know that they need that touch from you. And as we're 17 days in, may they continue.
to have the discipline to seek you. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name.